Hello and welcome to this episode of It Stinks the Critic podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow, and today we're doing something uh, a little bit different. It's still critic-related, but, um, you know, we've finished up the entire run of critic episodes, so uh, I am now doing the Critic Simpsons crossover episode, A Star is Burns, uh, the one and only time uh, that Jay Sherman appeared on a different TV show. And we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about, like, you know, how this episode got made and, of course, go over the episode itself. And joining me to do that is comedian, filmmaker, and writer Hunter M. Altman. Hello, Hunter. I am furious with Matt. He's been (laughs) going to everybody who wears a suit at Fox and complaining about this. When he voiced his concerns about how to draw the critic into the Simpsons universe, he was right, and we agreed to his change. Now, certainly he's allowed his opinion, but airing this publicly in the press is going too far. He is a gifted, adorable, cuddly ingrate, but his behavior right now is rotten. James L. Brooks. Wow, that's <laughs> that that was a direct quote from James L. Brooks. That was a uh, show co-creator James L. Brooks about show co-creator Matt Groening regarding the Simpsons and the controversy behind this episode. Hi, I'm Hunter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, uh, I was going to talk about how we know each other, but first I want to get more into this uh, James L. Brooks quote. Uh, where was that? Where was he quoted? I, I found that I, w- I was digging through the Wikipedia page on this because, um, I mean, I'll, for for me, the, the intro into this is all controversy, and I'm so into it. Sure. Um yeah, Matt Groening wanted nothing to do with this episode, and this this I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come in with my intro to this episode because I mentioned this on Facebook to you a couple weeks ago. I so I cut my hand open real bad. Uh, I sliced it open. I bled it like real bad. I had to go like to to the uh, to uh, ER urgent care during the pandemic, which no one likes. It's the worst. And so finally, I remember this. Finally, I said, fuck it. I'm getting Disney plus. And and I'm just like, I'm going to watch stupid bullshit on Disney plus. I'm just going to hit play on the Simpsons and let it roll over forever. Cause I love the Simpsons. I have all, you know, so many of the DVDs. I'm just going to watch all the Marvel movies and just have them on in the background. I'm going to get stoned and take the painkillers they're giving me. And just until I can write and work again. And so this was the first episode I put on and it doesn't say Matt Groening's name on it. Oh, this was the first one you put on. Wow. And and that's the that's very correct. first episode I put on. And I am stoned on painkillers. And yeah, Matt Groening famously pulled his name from this episode because when when he uh did not you know, when he was not able to stop production of it, he was like, Yeah, I don't want my name on it. And uh, Al Jean and Mike Reese are inst- are credited as uh, executive producers. Um, they, of course, were originally on The Simpsons. They left after the fourth season 
came back for this episode and then are still there to this day. Yeah, Al Jean is still the showrunner, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. I mean, he he is. Uh, you might argue. You might argue he won in the long run because he has defined the voice of The Simpsons for longer and potentially more powerfully than Matt Groening ever has. I think so. Yeah. Um, so why was this the the first episode you wanted to to watch? I I honestly don't. It, I think it might have just been it has a hooky title. You know, uh-huh. like <laughs> I, I think uh, growing up as a comedian, uh, like in college, I really like I mean, I grew up watching The Simpsons, but then I really like, got into The Simpsons in college watching the DVDs. And one of the things that you really get immersed into in those DVDs is how every title is a is a great pun. And right. so you start wondering, like how many of these were reverse engineered from the premise and how many of these were reverse engineered from the pun? Yeah. I I do like that. They maybe their one concession to Matt Groening is that they don't reference Jay in the episode title. It it just sounds like a regular Simpsons uh, title. Yeah. It's a a star is burns. It's about burns more than anything. Right. Who is not even, I mean, He's sort of, he's like the C plot of this show. But uh, yeah, they, they made it all about uh, uh, Mr. Burns. I mean, you, 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 you might also argue that um, Matt Groening, maybe according to you know the Wikipedia sources, tried to shut down the episode after millions of dollars was spent on it instead of at the beginning, which I don't know about that. But also, like, what, what? So when I when I was watching it, my my takeaway was, okay, was he removed because he is no longer connected to the Simpsons because of Jeffrey Epstein? Um, <laughs> uh, is it he was against Disney Plus because I already knew he was complaining about that one episode? Um, but then, you know, that that always brings to mind, like, who is the true auteur of The Simpsons? Because Sam Simon is so famously, like, the person who, like, really pounded the pavement, you know, whereas Matt Groening was a weirdo who wanted bunny ears on everything. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely a very different, like, sense of humor there. Uh, and I think just to back up a little bit, to give a little <laughs> bit more context yes, for, thi- for this episode in particular. So this was originally concocted to promote the premiere of The Critic Season 2 in its new channel, new time slot. It was now being paired with The Simpsons, which of course makes a lot of sense when you think about it. The Critic had previously been on ABC uh, because... ABC wanted to make a show with James L. Brooks because, well, why wouldn't they? And the the show that he, you know, ultimately ended up making for them was The Critic, which just did not fit with ABC's programming at all, which is all very, you know, kind of family friendly. Like it was paired with Home Improvement. Uh, so you can imagine that just being a very jarring shift. You watch an episode of Home Improvement Maybe you got your family there, and then what comes on next is this animated sitcom about a uh, you know acerbic film critic in New York. 
So, you know, it made a lot of sense for the critic to move to Fox and be paired with the Simpsons. And, of course, they had a lot of, like, I was going to say behind the camera. That doesn't exactly make sense for an animated show. But so what would I say then? Behind the ink and paper? (laughs) I mean, didn't animation, like, use that one camera that, like, faces downward and they used like all the three layers like isn't that how the sims uh the uh the disney did it oh yeah i guess i guess that would be how it was animated back back in the 90s you would actually photograph animation cells one by one so i guess a camera was involved so okay so yeah behind the camera that phrase still works in this situation maybe above the camera if they're normally facing it down i don't i don't know Um, (laughs) but uh but yeah al jean mike reese james l brooks all simpsons alums so so yeah it kind of makes sense to have a critic simpsons crossover uh despite what matt graining thinks um uh so that was the impetus for this episode a star is burns and i remember i I believe mike reese said that you know he he knew that kind of the the pressure was on for this to be a really good episode just so that people wouldn't look at it as just promoting the critic he wanted it to be a, a really good simpsons episode regardless so uh and and i think they succeeded like I was going through my notes and I was like, I was just like highlighting all my favorite jokes. And I was like, I might have to highlight just every single thing I wrote because there is so much good stuff in here. See, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a slightly different statement. Okay. I, uh, I think this episode is maybe remarkably uneven, but it has maybe five of the 30 funniest jokes in the history of the show. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of, Oh no, I I was going to say like structurally the episode doesn't really work. Like when, when you were talking about Burns having like a C spot story, it's like, there's a scene and a half of Burns. (laughs) Like, yeah, it, it doesn't really have bones to hold it on. And that's, you know, what the best Simpsons episodes do have. And I think, you know, we talk about the critic as well. I know I was listening to like Michelle and, uh, you know, Noah's episodes um, about like these, this type of humor versus like family guy type of humor. I think this episode does kind of have that like loose structure, you know, but the jokes that land land perfectly. Yeah, I was I was noticing that there are like a lot of just kind of like throwaway jokes that um, I know the Simpsons would kind of do that from time to time, but it seems like they went kind of heavy on that in this one uh, at the expense of the story uh, in some areas. And and also like uh, and his, so I I I had I've only watched uh, half of the pilot, which I was watching this morning while I was preparing. Um, how many uh like do 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 the episodes of the uh of uh, the critic uh do their commercial breaks end on those slow fades like this uh usually yeah okay because the simpsons i know yeah will normally do more like a wackier i guess act out but these all kind of had like the little kind of down beat you know into the credits or not into the credits into the commercials Oh, yeah. I mean, the critic will sometimes end on a joke, but it seems like more often 
it'll be like a they'll try to do the more typical sitcom thing of like uh-oh what's gonna happen next or how is he gonna get out of this one that that's it, to me feels like usually more the impetus for a commercial break and the and i think the the, the really interesting kind of middle ground on that is it's not it, it's landing on a joke but it's landing on the line delivery and the awkward editing where you could edit on i was saying burns very sharply <laughs> but they do not i was saying burns three four go cut <laughs> i i think that is something that maybe only you and i might notice because we we also both do editing well and comedy uh but that's def- that definitely that just felt to me like a very editor's note yeah <laughs> like it, no it, it was it was definitely like holding on the rhythm so that you left on a very different feel than if you left on i was saying burns boom which is that's that's if you scripted it that way that's the that's the line reading you'd get on the first take hmm you know, like, oh, I was saying Burns, like the excitement, like, <laughs> and, 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 and anyway, yeah. um, oh, um, do, do you, do you want me to uh, say my, uh, my story of the time I uh, met James L. Brooks? Oh yeah, let's hear it. Uh, so I went to uh, uh, film school when I came here and uh, that's how I got out into LA. And one of the things that's fun about film school is sometimes there's bulletin boards full of bullshit and like it's like oh yeah it's like and anyway we got uh fr- free tickets to see a bunch of premieres uh including like let me in uh so it was like the year 2010 and how do you know by james l brooks and everyone was there except for jack nicholson everyone was there in hollywood except for jack nicholson but the two names that i remember 10 years later tony danza (laughs) and irving azoff i don't think i'm familiar with irving azoff i think he's some music guy but i remember having to ask who he was okay okay but 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 it was so cool because like his movie had just bombed so fucking hard and here I am, just this 23-year-old film kid sneaking back, you know, over to just shake his hand and say, thank you for The Simpsons. You know, you, you got me to where I am today. And then he's like, yeah, he just fucking went over budget by $100 million on a rom-com. Yikes. Yeah, I uh, I don't really remember the film How Do You Know. I'm looking at the uh, film poster right now, and it's, yeah, it's just very generic it's just like you know four random pictures of the stars uh reese witherspoon owen wilson paul rudd and jack nicholson and like they're all in separate frames so like no one's looking at each other you would have no idea like what the film is about looking at this poster it's just very forgettable would you believe it's about professional softball (laughs) <laughs> not based on the poster or the title uh i i will i will say this that film is where i was really introduced to katherine hahn mm. um she has a uh, one really standout scene and i believe that was james l brooks's last movie and jack nicholson's last movie uh oh yeah wikipedia does say here it was jack nicholson's final film role to date see that's funny because i thought i remembered it being anger management but well, i guess was- not that was before The Departed. 
Oh, shit. <laughs> that was 2003. Whoops. I guess anger management of the TV show counts, but... <laughs> I have poor memory when it comes to this, these sort of things. So, uh, Simpsons, right now, you'd say they're they're in their stride as their... Uh, they're a cultural powerhouse at this point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, just to give uh, people, I guess, a little more context, this was season... Six of The Simpsons. Uh, it aired. It it aired two episodes after Bart versus Australia, and one episode before one of seventeen Lisa getting married stories. So right. you know we're talking about real artistic integrity here. Um, right. So this is uh, okay. So the air date uh, it says here March fifth, nineteen ninety five. So yeah, other. Simpsons uh, episodes that we got in season six, Bart versus Australia, uh, Homie the Clown, where Homer, you know, be, be goes to Krusty's clown school. It's a great episode. Uh, I mean, so many great episodes. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, the <laughs> the episode with the gummy Venus de Milo, uh, Homer Badman. Yeah. Bart's girlfriend with uh, Reverend Lovejoy's uh, daughter. That's right. Oh, and of course, the season finale, Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1. Who shot? With uh, with my friend Tito Puente. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I love that that was, that was their fuck you move was, you know who our big star is in our season finale? Tito Puente. I mean, who else but the Simpsons would do something like that? <laughs> oh. And they got him to sing a song. How, how much licensing oh, yeah. loopholes would they have to get through? <laughs> but he doesn't. But he didn't sing it. It was some anyway. Um, no, right, se- right. <laughs> season six, like for for me, I'm very much like a seasons like five to you know eight is probably my sweet spot because I I do like when it pushes into the weird. Um, and like, like, I feel like I grew up on the Simpsons. So like my favorite Simpsons disc is probably season five, disc one. Okay. Um, and that would be the one with Cape Fear on it and like, Mm. uh, Homer and the Beatles and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, oh, and I think what's the, what's the, um, Treehouse of Horror in season five? Is that the one where with Homer in 3D? Okay, so the thing about Treehouse Horror that fucks me up is because they didn't start in season one, the numbers ruined me. Right. Right. Season two has the first Treehouse of Horror, so they are always one behind. And they didn't even have the the kindness to call it Treehouse of Horror one. So they didn't even start <laughs> until Treehouse of Horror two in season... <laughs> God damn it. Um... No, but yeah, no. That that's the thing is like I, uh, the Shining is season five, but it's Trias Horror four, I think. Uh, yes. Um, so I'm I'm looking at um, yes. So Treehouse of Horror four from season five contains The Devil and Homer Simpson, Terror at Five and a Half Feet, yes, uh, and Bart Simpson's Dracula. So not not the one I was thinking no. of. So then maybe it is season six that has that one. Oh wait, no, no, no. That has the um, uh, Willie as Freddy Krueger one. Okay, so it must be season seven then. 
I have to, I'm sorry, I have to find this now. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so Season 7, Treehouse of Horror 6, yes. contains Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesores. Night, oh, this is Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. Sorry, I was thinking before of um, Willie in The Shinning, yes. where he keeps getting killed in every story. Anyway, yes. and Homer this Cubed. This is indeed a dangerous <laughs> dimension, so Treehouse of Horror 6 contains Homer Cubed, my personal favorite thing The Simpsons has, has ever done. Uh, I just love that so much. Uh, you don't prefer the uh, erotic cake? <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of that same segment, so yeah. that's that's included. Okay, okay. That whole, that whole segment, the, you know, home, that whole Homer Cubed thing. Because I just remember, like, watching that as a kid and just my mind being blown the entire time that, like, I can't believe they're doing this. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, it's, it was just really good. That's that's how I felt. That's how I felt about The Simpsons porno. <laughs> you mean where they show Bart's dick in the movie? No, there, there's, there's a real Simpsons porno. Oh, God. It's like they're they're all like just in full on painted like yellow and blue and you know it's like naked and like Marge is obviously the star. Strange that Matt Groening did not want his name taken off of that. No, that that he actually watched <laughs> that one on the on the Epstein uh, plane. <laughs> yeah, that was the in-flight movie. The in yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, it, it it was it was a short flight, so they only had the TV episodes. Uh, oh, oh my god fuck. okay so the okay Simpsons. so the let's Simpsons. yeah let's the say Simpsons. we get the into Simpsons. yes let's, let's say we get into a star is burns now um now normally when i when i was you know doing uh the critic i would go beat for beat through the episode but if we do that here we'll be here all day so i just want to hit on like my favorite things here so so i <laughs> but i have to mention the very first thing we see the uh eye on springfield the incredibly overproduced stylized intro we get of kent brockman's news entertainment show i guess hello i'm kent brockman and this is eye on springfield can i jump in and say the first thing we don't see <laughs> yes what is that we don't see a chalkboard gag. Oh, that's right. They did like the truncated intro. Imagine if you're trying to sell people on watching a show, why aren't you using a chalkboard gag, which is part of the language of your television show? Now, I, I have to confess, I so I remember, you know, watching The Simpsons like when it was on its original run. I always remembered when you catch the new episode on Sunday, Sunday at eight, they would show the entire intro title sequence with the chalkboard and, you know, Homer exiting the, the nuclear power plant and everything. But then if you would watch the reruns Monday to Friday, then you would usually get the truncated uh, intro because um, it was a rerun. Who cares? So I always figured, oh, I, I'm just seeing a rerun. I'm, I didn't catch the original airing. But but no, it's just always like that. 
I I grew up on the DVDs, so there was obviously no real worry about it. And so what I grew uh, to learn is that if the episode has a really long uh, opening, that's usually a good thing. Because that means because <laughs> that means the episode is so tight they've cut out so much fat, and so like weirdly like the best example and i mentioned that earlier is cape fear is joke 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 to the point where they had to then re-expand the episode like that's the episode that has uh the rake joke in it oh yeah yeah <laughs> joke is one audio cue <laughs> i mean it's a good one he recorded it once and then they realized the episode was too short so they did it nine times. That's amazing. <laughs> and so as a result, like they'll they'll be so brutal in the edit. They'll whittle it down so fucking hard that they'll have to then re-expand it sometimes. So the idea that this one, I think they had a couch gag, but not a chalkboard gag. They could have used a chalkboard gag to help sell the critic. Hmm. So I don't understand why they landed in that middle ground that's i i just wanted to call that just because they're trying to sell their their own tv show <laughs> yeah i guess yeah i don't know but um but yeah it's it's true for for people who might not know like you know tv shows are like edited down to the second you know because got to make room for all those commercials like what what, what what would have been like 2141 around this time or something <laughs> Uh, I think so. I mean, usually they would come in at, yeah, like usually like 22 minutes flat um, is usually a typical TV half hour. Yeah. Uh, and, and anyway, there's Ion Springfield, just the perfect 1992 aesthetic. Yes. Uh, what, and I thought, are they like specifically making fun of like Hollywood or like Los Angeles culture? Um, or is that just my bias because I grew up here? It, 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 it's definitely like the packaged Los Angeles culture for sure. Yeah. Like I, I, I think like, you know, like New York, big city, LA culture, um, the rapping Jews is just such a, like, <laughs> not, not only is it a good joke, the execution of them halfway through the joke, giving up makes the joke. <laughs> better. Yeah. They really only rap like a couple lines. Can't touch this. <laughs> but the the big story on Ion Springfield is that Springfield has been was it voted or whatever? It was the least cultural city in America. So last in science, as you see them burn Skinner at the stake. In science, dead last. I'm telling you people, the earth revolves around the sun. Burn him! <laughs> What a story! You've stolen my soul! And last in uh, theater, so we see Krusty playing uh, Franklin Roosevelt, just getting up from his uh, wheelchair. It's good acting. Yep. <laughs> I mean, good line delivery, but not really... It's, it's use totally more... an character for Krusty. Yes. <laughs> not doing much uh, research into uh, his role. Yes, I, I, I think he thinks he's playing Teddy. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Uh, so they call a town, like a town meeting to decide, you know, what can we do to improve Springfield's image to attract more tourists? 
Uh, well, I, 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 I would, I would, I would jump in and say this is like to to already put us against Manhattan. This is a random housewife saying, "Hey, we should do a town meeting," <laughs> and then it happens. Yeah, like, like I, I, I think that that's one thing that this episode really does take a lot of active steps towards. I forget if it was Michelle or uh, Noah's episode that was really talking about the uh, contrast between um, uh, Homer and uh, 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 Jay, but like, yeah, they they really push the two of them against each other and yes springfield versus manhattan even though rainier wolf castle and arnold schwarzenegger exist (laughs) in the same world now uh yeah so uh we do see rainier wolf castle in manhattan but that's a little later um but yeah just marge is able to yeah call a a town meeting which yeah kind of suggests that springfield is just this you know, tiny backwater town. But like from what we've seen, Springfield is actually like huge. So yeah, don't know what's going on there, but. Um, how, about, how about we land in the middle and just call it a socialist utopia? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, Marge's uh, idea is for a film festival, which is ultimately how we're going to get uh, Jay involved. But I, <laughs> I loved the line where, you know, Marge is like, I know you haven't, you know, liked my ideas in the past, like switching to the metric system and then grandpa's little tirade against the metric system. The metric system is the tool of the devil. My car gets 40 rods to the hog's head and that's the way I like it. Oh, does, does your car also get 40 rods to the hog's head? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's a, it's a Ford Focus. It's you know, it's it, it's it's nine years old, but yeah. You know. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> uh, but that's um, yeah, that's about standard for a, a car of that age, I think. <laughs> All right, so uh, the town members vote. They like the film festival idea, and we immediately get to Lisa and Bart making their film. Not wasting any time. And action! Hello, I'm Bart Simpson. In the past, I've brought you such classic films as Homer in the Shower and Homer on the Toilet. And now I give you The Eternal Struggle. Relax, fit my Aunt Fanny! Stupid duckers. Oh, the belt is buckled. (laughs) Now, I, I have to mention here, Wikipedia... The, the Wikipedia page for this episode says that, you know, Bart's little spoken intro for his film is supposed to be um, a, a reference to the opening of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, I don't think I agree, <laughs> but... Uh, I, I feel like that it, it's more of a genre trope than anything. Yeah, uh, it's just like he, he's, yeah, he's introducing like, here is this thing you're about to see. And, you know, he dresses up because he wants to be formal. It's not really like Criswell talking about future events that'll affect you in the future or whatever. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. But I have a more serious question about this uh, film. Okay. Is Homer in on it? 
Oh, uh, is no. Is it meant cause... to be presentational? Because he never shows that he's not in on it. Like it, it, it could, it could be. Yeah, you know, they open the door and they've already called action. I took this as Bart pranking Homer because we know Bart likes to do that. It it just felt so perfectly timed. Like <laughs> the, 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 this this wasn't the one where he's timing the uh, the uh, uh, what you call it the 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 faucets while he's in the in the shower. Oh. <laughs> ow! 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 Yeah, <laughs> or the you know the the shaken up uh, beer can yes. in the fridge. Which what 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 a wonderful clip show by the way. <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot that's a clip show just because they spend so much time on the frame story. That's one of the great things that The Simpsons does is it loads great jokes into the bad quote unquote episodes. Like the the musical clip show had the Joshua <laughs> Logan joke is such a great simple joke. Nobody move or I'll blow your heads <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, the joke I always remember from that episode is "For no reason, here's a poo," yeah. <laughs> and then no, he's there for the. Uh, yes. Uh, no, it, yeah. Uh, it, I, I, I think The Simpsons may be better than any show were aware that when they needed to hit to keep you involved they they knew how to pull one out oh and they all they all also just take advantage of the fact that it's animated means they could cut to any location or cue any character they need at any time so yeah <laughs> just these random character cameos can can ha can happen all right so okay so after we see lisa and bart's film we see the flanders family making their uh adaptation of uh of the moses story they uh put todd in the uh in a basket in the river he gets swept away and <laughs> and god himself intervenes to to save little todd flanders to god flanders to god get off your cloud and save my todd Thanks, God. Oakley, oakley. You, you you just talked about how they can just put any character <laughs> anywhere they want. Yes, including God Himself. And uh, so here 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 here's what I love is this is an episode about the critic. Critic doesn't show up until five nineteen into a twenty two minute episode. Oh yeah, in in terms of TV, that is that's an eternity. But yeah, so we finally get to Jay when uh, Marge is looking for film critics for the film festival and they are just watching coming attractions. There's 600 film critics and Leonard Maltin's the most handsome out of all of them. Yes, she does mention that. Uh, kind of a, I guess a backhanded uh, uh, thing to say about Jay, but, um, <laughs> but that's what they tend to, well, that's what the critic tends to do. It, it makes fun of the way Jay looks and everything. Well, you also have to talk about the, the metatextual uh, subtext here. Uh, what? <laughs> the Artie Ziff of it all. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess just the yeah. fact that Jay Sherman is voiced by John Lovitz, who, yeah, voiced Ar Artie Ziff, among other Simpsons uh, kind of one-off characters. 
Well, Artie Ziff was the character that uh, Homer was worried uh, uh, Marge would leave him for. Oh, yeah. And then in this episode, he's worried that Marge will leave him for Jay. Right. So that was a definite connection. Okay. Definite. Man, that, that didn't occur to me. Uh, but yeah, good catch. That whole thing in bed where he's just super <laughs> worried. Yeah. No, hundred, uh, yeah. <laughs> So Jay, uh, <laughs> he shows a brief clip of Death Wish 9 with Charles Bronson. Boy, uh, I wish I was yep. dead. Which is exactly the type of joke they would do on The Critic. So that's yep. very on brand. But then he also interviews Rainier Wolfcastle with his new mix of action and comedy. Did you ever notice how men always leave the toilet seat up? That's the joke. You suck, McBain! Now, my Woody Allen impression. I'm a neurotic nerd who likes to sleep with little girls. Hey, that really sucked! And this is uh, the second of what I think was five jokes that I had that were like, these are top ten jokes. Oh, yeah. The first, this... the first one uh, was, don't push your luck. Don't push your luck. <laughs> Uh, in the Marge uh, mm -hmm. scene where they finally say, hey, a film festival is a great idea. Um, but this McBain scene is obviously one of the most iconic Simpsons scenes ever. Oh, yeah. Just that's the joke. I mean, that even became like an Internet meme, which is how you know it's really memorable that people like take it out of context. But here's the thing. Out of context, in context, this movie, which is just a stand-up special of Arnold Schwarzenegger killing audience members. Like that sounds like fucking phone booth. I want to watch that fucking movie. <laughs> like that sounds like a really interesting, like contained Blumhouse thriller. And <laughs> I, I think there's a real version of that where like, okay, Jerry Seinfeld, your daughter's in the audience and she's trapped out there and you have to go on stage. They're all watching you. You can't do anything about it. Go. <laughs> like, that's a fucking interesting movie. I'll bet that movie exists. I would watch that fucking movie. <laughs> uh, I think I would too. Um, as long as it was like actually Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, that'd be amazing. And and not like alt-right nonsense, obviously. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> like, they're, 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 not, not, they're, there's a version of that movie that goes very wrong very quickly as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Marge writes a letter to Jay inviting him to Springfield. Uh, Jay is just kind of walking down a, a random street in Manhattan where he gets confronted by Rainier Wolfcastle, who well, I, I guess... Can I say one thing before we move on? Yeah. The patter of that interview with Rainier Wolfcastle feels different than the Simpsons patter. How do you sleep at night on a, on a large pile of money? Like there's, there's just a very rat-a-tat patter there. Like the way it just flows right into each other that I, that I, as I was going, I just had to note it down as like, oh, like this scene feels like an episode of the critic entirely merging into the Simpsons more than like this is the characters from the critic in a Simpsons episode. Yeah, I think I kind of got that feeling too. Like, I mean, on the critic, Jay doesn't typically like interview people. I mean, I think there's a couple random gags where he does that, but, but yeah, just that, that pacing 
again, kind of an editory kind of note, but uh, yeah, the just the the rhythm of the dialogue gives it a, a totally different feel. Oh yeah, so uh, Jay gets the letter from Marge. He gets confronted by Rainier Wolfcastle, who I guess just figured out that he was being uh, made fun of. Sherman, I just realized you insulted me. Now you will die. Uh, uh, hey, Nudnik, your shoe's untied. From here they appear to be tied, but I will go in for a closer look. Taxi! To the airport! On closer inspection, these are loafers. Yeah, I, I love any gag where it's just a character just like standing still while we see like time pass around them, like the sun setting or whatever. I mean, the funniest version of that was Futurama. Um, the the example that leaps to my mind from Futurama is the one with Fry's dog, which was exactly. not exactly. I'm being a monster. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um all right uh so so jay lands in springfield we know it's the new york plane because it's covered in graffiti yep uh jay says he saw marge's hair from the plane by the way that that plane is foreshadowing of uh new york uh hatred on the simpsons right Uh, oh yes this episode of course the uh yeah where Homer gets the boot on his car and everything. Oh, and just the simple double joke of it's supposed to say Jay's name, not yours. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, right. Oh, fuck. Oh, right. <laughs> just scribbles it out like seven times. Yeah. Oh, Homer. Uh, so then we get definitely the most meta joke of the show, maybe of the whole series. Just Bart is watching the Flintstones meet the Jetsons, and then he's like, Coming up next, the Flintstones meet the Jetsons. Uh-oh, I smell another cheap cartoon crossover. Bart Simpson, meet Jay Sherman the Critic. Hello. Now, I think I think it's worth mentioning, um, this is before uh, the Poochie episode, right? I believe so. Right. Um, so this is before, like, the Simpsons are getting, like, super reflexive. Yes, although I think this was after the 137th episode spectacular. Oh, I I mean, time literally with The Simpsons doesn't exist. Right. Or I'm sorry, 138th episode spectacular. How, how, how could I? How dare you, Brian? How dare you get that wrong? And, and... By one... <laughs> And furthermore, that was in the seventh season. So that was, so this is before that. Oh, um, yeah. It's like, I, I, I feel like, yeah, when we were talking about like where the Simpsons are, like, yeah, now they're starting to hit that self-reflection period that you kind of like, you know, we're fast nine is coming out today. And like a lot of the discussion about it, where they are in their franchise is like, well, they they they're only at the point now where they can have a conversation with themselves. <laughs> like, what else can they do but have a conversation with themselves, and hopefully still make a really entertaining movie that goes into space? <laughs> and uh, assumed spoiler alert. <laughs> and weren't and you know they're showing the Jurassic World preview beforehand, which you mentioned, and I think people were talking about like. They should do that crossover, you know, Fast and the Furious with Jurassic World. I mean, 
fast cars and dinosaurs. What, what, what more could you ask for? I, I mean, I, I do feel like there's, there's a version of it where one day universal theme park just becomes like one warehouse and factory because every <laughs> property they have all kind of joins each other. So like you just have to walk through a walking dead hallway uh, to get in the transformers car that drives you to, you know, it's like, it's, it's all one building. Like Jurassic park isn't its own ride anymore. It's just, it just takes you into the cars. <laughs> uh, and then, um, somehow the crew from Fast and the Furious has to win a game of basketball against the dinosaurs. Oh, I'm sorry. I've crossed into Warner Brothers now. Wrong universe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and that that's all the way in Burbank. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, back to uh, The Simpsons, I think. Um, okay, so this is where we get the introduction of the sea story as we called it the yes. mr burns uh i love that we just get the imperial march just out of nowhere um mm -hmm. when we first see mr burns just in case we didn't already know he was evil but uh so yeah home or um uh <laughs> mr burns uh, wants to make a film to improve his uh, self-image or actually oh i'm sorry i have it here that uh, smithers suggests they they make a uh, biography and put it in the film festival. So, uh, of course, the first thing to do is hire a director. Uh, he wants Steven Spielberg, but he's unavailable. So they get uh, just an, an immortal joke. Senor Spielbergo. Get me Steven Spielberg. He's unavailable. Then get me his non-union Mexican equivalent. Listen, Senior Spielbergo, I want you to do for me what Spielberg did for Oscar Schindler. Uh, Schindler is bueno. Senor Burns is el diablo. His uh, non-union Mexican equivalent. <laughs> yes. Um, so great. So they bring in Senor Spielbergo. And I love that Burns says he wants him to do what Spielberg did for Oscar Schindler. But Schindler es bueno and Burns es el diablo. Yeah, I, I, you know, I definitely had not seen Schindler's List when um, I first saw this episode, but, you know, now being older and, and seeing that again and uh, <laughs> hearing Burns say, we both made shells for the Nazis, but mine worked, damn it. Oh my God, just... Oof. <laughs> you know the, the one one thing that i think is fascinating um <clears throat> you know because you know time passes and people die is the idea that like we're coming close to mr burns being the age of homer when the show started <laughs> oh i i'm close to being the age of homer when the show started i turn 36 this year which uh, I forget which episode it it was, but yeah, yeah Homer it's says 38. he's thirty. He's thirty eight. I think so. Wait, I think. Oh, you know what? No, it was in the Big Brother episode, um, where he takes Peppy to the um, carnival or whatever, and the the uh, guess your weight guy, you know, <laughs> you know, he dramatically overestimates Homer's weight, but Homer says he's thirty six years old, two hundred and thirty nine pounds, and. 
fuck, I am almost that old and that weight. And, oh, oh, I'm I'm about that weight. I, I actually just lost some weight. It was very weird. Um, uh, and Barney is 40 in this. Um, yes. But uh, no, what, what I'm what I'm speaking of is if if Homer is uh, 38 years old in 1988, that would clock him as mm. 1950. That would clock him as 71 years old now, which would clock him as about five to ten years younger than Montgomery Burns at his base weight base <laughs> tier. So currently speaking, because like Montgomery Burns, you think of him, you think of like World War One, World War Two. Canonically now, he must be born after 1940. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Hadn't thought about uh, Mr. Burns's age. I uh, Is he like they must still use him in the show from time to time, right? I have to assume they use everyone. Yeah, uh, so I don't I don't know if they may if like what the jokes are about his age anymore or whatever, but yeah, I I didn't think about the the timeline like that. Well, I mean the 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 the, the big crazy one was when it was uh, you know, they did they had to like update everything to being the 90s that they right. grew up in the 90s and it was like wait when the fuck did that happen? We were <laughs> watching the Simpsons all throughout the 90s. Yeah, so like, were the Simpsons watching the Simpsons in the nineties? Yeah. But uh, yeah. Oh, I, I should also mention Jay Sherman, also thirty-six years old in the first season. So I am also almost Jay Sherman age, which is also very weird to think about. Speaking of Jay Sherman, though, um, yeah, I love the, uh, I love the, <laughs> the <laughs> I love the dinner scene that we have here where. Um, yes. Homer and Jay's bellies fight over the last pork chop. And even though Homer wins, you know, Marge gives gives it to Jay because he's the guest. Yeah. And 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 this was, I think, going back to uh, I think it was Noah was talking about the idea like one of them was high status. One of them was low status. Right. But they still both love to eat. <laughs> like like what what one of them is the high status slob one of them is the low status slob homer's right. the low status slob exactly and we know jay is high status because he shows off all the awards he won two pulitzers a people's choice five golden globes and uh <laughs> and santa's little helper swallowed his emmy uh but then coughs it up so it's all good can you uh, Google real quick, when did Homer's Enemy come out? Did that come out after this one? That must have been after this one. Uh, let me see. That is the 23rd episode of the eighth season. Okay. Because this scene feels a lot like that scene. <laughs> except almost except almost in reverse, right? Because now Homer is like the jealous one. No, 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 because yeah, because now Homer is showing all of his awards. It's like, yeah, I went to space. Yeah, I did yeah. this. Yeah, I did that. And now it's to this new infuriated normal person. So like the way that this scene tracks and tracks to that scene makes me wonder if that was kind of on purpose as well. Oh, interesting. Well, they were doing it like two years in advance. Right. Well, I mean, there's such a long turnaround on the animation. <laughs> it's just, yeah, that's true. Okay, so that's when um, uh, Patty and Selma come over. They're excited to meet Jay. Uh, he tells them some anecdotes about, you know, celebrities in, in Hollywood and everything. But uh, <laughs> I guess is I think this is the first instance of, like, 
Homer trying to get back at at Jay by kind of whispering in in his ear about like like Patty and Selma want to know what celebrities are secretly gay and Homer <laughs> suggests that he say MacGyver. Oh, MacGyver's gay. <laughs> <laughs> you badmouth MacGyver, didn't you? Ma. Uh, ma. Uh, wrong thing to say to the wrong person or people. Because we, yeah, we next see Jay hanging by his boxer shorts from the storm drain. So, yeah, Patty and Selma, they take their MacGyver seriously. They take anything that's. Again, we're in the context of this is only five years after the 80s. <laughs> right like macgyver still would be sexy in the same way that everyone phil hartman is playing would still be sexy <laughs> but just like a little knocked up hold on real quick i'm gonna see if macgyver was like still in production or was it just like reruns at this point and if macgyver wasn't still in production we could patch it together and do it ourselves okay can i can i air a, a gripe about imdb real quick uh, <laughs> nine out of ten times when you google a specific title the search results it gives you is not for that title it'll be for like a talk show discussing that title and it's like that's not what i was looking for imdb can, can i give my uh gripe with imdb and this might count as one of my plugs later uh <laughs> please is when you search for me it takes up until hunter m altma for me to come up <laughs> Okay, yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> um, okay, the original MacGyver TV series, 1985 to 1992, then revived from 2016 to 2021. So this was definitely about the revival. Yes, they, they, <laughs> they were definitely anticipating that like 20 plus years in advance. And they assumed they would still be on the air. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they knew that. <laughs> Also, oh, okay. So now I see why I was not getting the results I wanted. I have no fucking idea how to spell MacGyver. It is, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a tough name. Um, anyway. Okay, but but by, by the way, we still have three of the top thirty-five Simpsons <laughs> jokes, and we've been going for a moment. So I, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying this, dear. All right. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yes. I th yeah, I think most of the the really memorable jokes don't happen until that we get to the film festival, right? Yeah. Uh, the the auditions. Uh, just the, just the idea of hey, you know what? Let's throw in Homer saying exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and I noted that that came directly after Homer asking to be on the jury. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like not only does he want to judge the competition, he wants to be in it, like. He's just really gung-ho for this film festival. Uh, so yeah, Homer begs Marge to get on the jury because he's afraid she doesn't respect his intelligence. He cuts uh, off a lot of her hair there. <laughs> it's just you and me now, lock of hair. <laughs> and and she agrees. She gets rid of Martin Scorsese. Could have had another awesome celebrity uh, <laughs> crossover. But yeah, so um, yeah, she puts Homer on the jury so then we switch to Burns auditioning actors to play himself. We get just really quick uh, cuts of... Um, Excellent. Next, excellent. 
Next. Exactly. <laughs> Next. Excelente. Es muy bueno. Yeah, we get Hannibal Lecter, Captain Kirk, Homer, and uh, Bumblebee Man, who is definitely Senor Spielbergo's favorite. Yes. Um, but uh, ultimately, Burns decides to play himself. And then Hibbert shows up for Rocky Horror. I love that so much. <laughs> like, of all the characters, of all the Simpsons characters that might be Rocky Horror fans, you wouldn't expect yeah. Hibbert, but that's what makes it funny. But he's he's so just unjudgmental. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What do we got? We got uh, a poo security footage. Yes. So yeah. So now we're 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 in the, to the festival. Jay introduces the first film, Bright Lights Beef Jerky by Apu, which is yeah, just basically security footage. So a very um, you know, a very like uh, cinema verite style uh, documentary, I think. Yeah, because the second shot couldn't have been footage so like that had to be a second camera like there was planning that went into that a poo good on you um although i think this also gave us the phrase this is gonna get worse before it gets better yeah this this one i think this one might have also had a single joke that may have predated the world but i don't remember if it did mm. um mo better blues that's yeah. just a title <laughs> Or it's it's uh, Mo Better Booze, I believe. Boo- oh, booze, booze. Yes. And then... <laughs> That's just a title. <laughs> yeah. And then this has to be one of your top jokes, right? Yes. Hans Moleman in Man Gets Hit by Football. Hans Moleman Productions presents Man Getting Hit by Football. <laughs> <laughs> this contest is over. Give that man a $10,000. This isn't America's funniest home videos. But the ball is growing. It works at so many levels. Roll it again. The contest is over. Give that man the $10,000. <laughs> but the ball is growing. It works on so many levels. Roll it again. It's it's less the hitting of the ball with the groin and more of the committed reaction afterwards, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I love just I don't know if it was Hans who inserted it himself or if like the Simpsons did it uh, just like the random like spring, like boing sound effect when the football makes contact. I always thought that was kind of the weirdest part. I think it had to have been done on purpose, and I'm going to tell you why. This goes back to a deep philosophical takeaway that I have about the Cloverfield movies. <laughs> okay. Strap in, everyone. Okay. So you know how the Cloverfield monsters look like that? Uh-huh. And the and the Quiet Place monsters look like that? Right, so they both have very long arms. Is that where you're going? They have long arms and similar designs, and they come from the same designer, which means the same designer has to naturally believe they come from the same place. Okay. So therefore, they're both alien creatures instead of, well, maybe one of them is an underwater creature. Okay. So as a result, Hans Moleman, because you hear that doing... And then when George C. Scott has it happen at the end of the episode, you hear the doing. The doing has to be on purpose. Okay. Interesting. 
transitive property, motherfucker. <laughs> also, the again, the, the Wikipedia page <laughs> says that the George C. Scott film is a remake of the Hans Molman film. So, like, yeah. they directly based that the George C. Scott film on Hans Molman's film. And I mean, well, like, of course they did. It's the exact same thing, but it's like, it, it wasn't like a ripoff. They weren't like, you know, you know, trying to, to beat Hans Molman to the punch. It was like, Hey, this, this film just won second place at Springfield's film festival. It deserves a, a big budget remake. And we're going straight to the Oscars, baby. This, I mean, this episode came out in 1995. Funny Games won, wasn't <laughs> even on the cultural landscape yet, let alone the idea of Funny Games in a movie by doing a Funny Games 2 10 years later. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm lost at this point. Or uh, Psycho, I think we could have also... Yes, uh... yes. Uh, that was also 98. Yeah. So if anything, this prefaced uh, an entire genre of um, things that didn't need to happen. Um, <laughs> well, once again, Simpsons did it. Uh, can I tra uh, uh, transition us into the next with the line from the, from the next? Please. Which is, next, they're going to play my movie. You made a movie? I made a movie? No wonder I was on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, good old Barney. So yeah, we next see uh, Barney Gumbel's film, uh, which we later find out is called Pucahontas. But, I'm 40, uh, <laughs> I'm single, and I drink. There's a yeah. line in Othello about a drinker that pretty <laughs> much well covers it. <laughs> Uh, but yes, it is, it is this very kind of uh, sensitive, uh, introspective film about his alcoholism. It's brilliant, savagely honest, tender. He has the soul of a poet. You're very kind. Excuse me, did something crawl down your throat and die? It didn't die. It is a, it kind of pays homage to the film Koyanis Katsi, Life Out of Balance. Um, cause the, I think it uses, does it use the exact same music cue or is it just a sound alike? I don't even know. All, all, all I know is the line, Mr. Gumble, is this a Girl Scouts meeting? This is a Girl Scout meet, like, yeah, that exchange. My name is Barney and I'm an alcoholic. Mr. Gumble, this is a Girl Scout meeting. Is it? Or is it that you girls can't admit you have a problem? Don't cry for me. I'm already dead. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the real takeaway line for me. Don't cry for me. I'm already dead. It's uh, so good. Like that, 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 that sequence, like, like, it's like, yeah, you, like, yes, the phrase boo earns, which we're going to, you know, come across shortly is like maybe more culturally relevant. But I think that entire Girl Scouts meeting scene, to, like that chunk, is the funniest chunk in this episode. Wow. Okay. I think it's it's just so tonally perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. And I forget, is Lisa there in that Girl Scouts meeting, or is it just a bunch of just random it's Girl Lisa. Scouts? Okay. Uh, and then we have one film left. It is Mr. Burns' film, a uh, Burns for All Seasons, uh, which is also just kind of a a pastiche of like 
a big budget Hollywood films. We get E.T., we get Ben-Hur. I wasn't sure what the one at the beginning is where he's like freeing a, a Mexican village. Simple villages, I promise you I will close plates in America and bring work here. Viva, Senor Burns! Viva! Viva! We did 20 ticks, and that was the best one. I mean, it just felt like a typical John Wayne Western, right? That's the one you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. With the horse falling and the 20 takes? Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the E.T. bit uh, foreshadows the X-Files episode in a couple seasons. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good catch. It it, it, it it feels like a, because this one is very scattered, there's like a lot of like not pilots, but like a lot of like fertile, like half ideas for episodes within this episode mm-hmm. that the Simpsons actually did wind up using. Okay. Yeah. Like the, uh, yeah. Like Burns as an alien or, uh, Homer's rival. Yes. Oh, that, that's what it was, was I wasn't sure if this was where the phrase said the quiet part out loud and the loud part quiet. Oh, if yes. This was one of the first times that was used. I mean, I have to assume so. I don't think I'd heard it anywhere before this. But yeah, so <laughs> everyone hates Mr. Burns's film. They all boo, except Mole Man apparently was saying boo earns. Are you saying boo or boo earns? I was saying boo earns. So then, yeah, and then that takes us to a commercial break. When we come back, we're in the jury room. Jay uh, and Marge, of course, want Barney's film. Uh, Quimby and Krusty vote for Burns's film. And then we see that <laughs> Mr. Burns is spying through a, a, a hidden olive camera. Yeah, that, that, that checks out. Um, he, he's been bribing them, obviously. That's how he won Miss Teen America. Yes, he, he mentions, yeah, that he, he's bribing them. Uh, and that's just... Just going back to the olive camera for a second. I mean, wh- what better example of conspicuous consumption than like you know when you see that at uh, H- Hammaker Schlemmer, you gotta you gotta get the olive camera. And I mean, here, here here's the other thing about olives is like no one knows what they taste like. They're decoration. They're a garnish. So no one knows if they're like gonna be too ch- like crunchy. Like like is is that a camera in there? Or is that a crouton? <laughs> why? Why would that? Why wouldn't there be a crouton in an olive? I don't fucking know. Like olives sit there on like pokey sticks, like uh, like the sticks, the the toothpicks that are sticking out of your drink. I don't drink well enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not a big drinker, but I am an olive enjoyer. Like I know what olives taste like, but uh, I know that you know. They're definitely not to everyone's taste, but I love them. I have them on pizza, in a in a burrito, what have you. Uh. Well, Barney's movie had a heart. <laughs> football in the groin had a football in the groin. Right. So, yes. Uh, Homer, of course, wants to vote for Hans Molman's film. Uh, Jay and Marge kind of talk him into seriously considering his vote so he he just screens barney's film again i guess when you're a juror you kind of get that that privilege so here here's an here's the most important thing about the episode itchy and scratchy wins for 
four funerals and a wedding. Right. It wins best short film. Or it wins best animated short. Best. No, it wins best short, I think, right? I believe it was best animated. The award for outstanding animated short goes to Itchy and Scratchy for their film, Four Funerals and a Wedding. Okay, because I read that as suggesting that these were all features. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, I mean, the fact that the George C. Scott version wins an Oscar, or, well, he wins for Best Actor, suggests that that is a feature. Oh, so. yeah, but, but <laughs> like, would, 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 these, would these Springfield, would these be features? That's what I want to know. Uh, that is an interesting question, but I am pretty sure Itchy and Scratchy wins for Best Animated Short. I had that in my notes. Oh, because I, 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 I just had best best short and I'm 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 angry now because that, that to me that to me is like the best joke and I'm positive I've gotten this joke wrong in my head for years now. You've seen the Naked Gun movies, right? Oh, of course. So in Naked Gun thirty three and a third, and I might have this joke wrong, but I don't care because it's a better joke in my head, even if it's wrong, <laughs> is when the when they say who won best picture. It's uh, that you know they don't want to reveal it because there's a bomb in there, right? And one of the movie's names is Sawdust and Mildew, so okay. it's the bomb. It's oh yes, the bomb. yes, yes. <laughs> well, they uh, and I even remember in and, that and, uh, and one of them didn't make money, <laughs> right? Yes, that's the the play on words they're doing there. But I I also remember um, in. Naked Gun 33 and a third, they they mention, in fact, it's James Earl Jones who says, you know, every one of these films was a hit except for one. Yes. So we are primed to think, okay, one of the films did not make money, i.e. it was a bomb. Yes. And then one of them is called Sawdust and Mildew, which yes. is stuff you make a bomb out of. And then one of them <laughs> is a bomb. By the way, uh, I've listened to two and a half episodes of this show. Uh, okay. At the beginning of it, normally we talk about how we know each other. Do we want to do that now? <laughs> uh, at this point, maybe we leave it till the end because we're almost there. <laughs> uh, I will not say which episode I listened to half of. Well, you've referenced a couple uh, more than once by now, so... Yes. I've referenced two of them specifically. Yes. Um, be because uh, both of them uh, uh, hit on similar ideas, and I didn't want to not credit the right person. Ah, okay, cool. Well, I'm sure they appreciate that. Um, okay, so... Um, okay, so yeah, Homer rewatches Barney's film. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. or, yeah, Jay announces Itchy and Scratchy wins... Uh, and then we get the grand prize, which does end up being Barney uh, for Puke. Oh, Pucahontas. I almost said Pucadelphia, which I think was something else. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, Barney says he's going to give up drinking, but that's before he sees what the grand prize is. I've learned I have a gift to share with the world. From now on, there'll be a new Barnard Gumble. Hardworking, clean, and sober. Congratulations, Barney, and enjoy your grand prize, a lifetime supply of duff beer. Ah, just hook it to my veins! And he has the best reaction ever. This has to be one of your other top jokes, right? No, we, uh, we've, we've gotten all five. Oh, um, okay. No, this is this is just a, a a good joke. No, um, my 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 big my big five. 
uh, were that's the joke. Uh, don't push your luck. Uh, the Girl Scouts meeting a slash already dead uh, boo earns and getting hit by football. Okay, those, cool. Those, 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 those to me are like, oh, like if, if you if you mention those moments, people will be like, oh, yeah, that Simpsons joke. Right. Though I would argue just hook it to my veins also fits that description. I feel like they they do so much with that character and that joke, though, that I wouldn't know it came from this episode. Interesting. And I would also make an argument that one of the worst episodes of The Simpsons I've ever seen was the one where he goes sober. Uh, wait, where Barney goes sober? Yeah. Wait. I don't remember what else happens in that one. Uh, the helicopter stuff. The helicopter stuff? Yeah. Uh, I'm... He has to, like, learn how to soberly fly a helicopter to save people's lives. I'm just drawing a blank on this. I don't... <laughs> it Well, so the thing about it was... Uh, it was written by Dan Castellaneta, who's uh-huh. a teetotaler. And so mm. it was like written like it was one of the few episodes of The Simpsons that you can actually feel like an opinion behind it. OK. Oh, uh-huh. Like like or like, or like the, the episode is just booze is bad versus like we are an episode of The Simpsons. You know what I mean? Right. OK, I've got it on. I've found the wikipedia page for it. it is from the 11th season which i the days of wine and doses right i i might have this might have been where i like jumped off the simpsons uh, bandwagon where i just stopped watching it on tv regularly but uh yeah sorry that was uh, that 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 was a tangent All anyway right. <laughs> barney's movie had heart but football it's... in the groin had a football in the groin <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Barney wins. Homer says he learned it's not that hard to be a film cricket. And then they are bidding goodbye to Jay at the airport. Goodbye, Mr. Sherman. If I ever play Carnegie Hall, I'll give you a call. And if you ever want to visit my show... Nah, we're not going to be doing that. Nope, we're not doing that. Not doing that. No, no, (laughs) no, no. (laughs) Yeah, and they, they, well, they, it's not like they even had that, that much of an opportunity because it, did not survive past the second season, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> then we get just Homer scaring himself with the can of uh, beer nuts. Yeah, to just to show off the difference between New York and L.A., New York <laughs> and Springfield. Right. Um, and we end on, yeah, Mr. Burns uh, moving on from trying to bribe a just a, a simple town film festival to trying to bribe the Oscars and losing again to George C. Scott getting hit by a football in the groin. And the Oscar goes to... I've got to win this one. I bribed everyone in Hollywood. George C. Scott in man getting hit by football. (laughs) My groin! And that's the end of the episode. Uh, Hunter, how do we know each other? Oh, so uh, I've been a boil on your ass for almost a decade now. I remember, uh, I don't know if this was when you were starting to do comedy or if this was just when you were starting in my circles, but I remember you were doing uh, comedy with a clipboard when I uh, first met you. Yes. I got a lot of mileage out of that clipboard before I, uh, in one sketch, I accidentally threw it 
on the ground too hard and broke it in half. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but yes, so I remember I, I was basically just starting comedy. This was like late 2013. I took UCB sketch 101, 101 and two, 201 basically back to back. And when I finished 201, I was like, well, I kind of like this sketch stuff. How do I keep doing it now that I'm not uh, in a, a class anymore? And I don't, I don't remember who it was, but someone said, hey, you should talk to this guy, Hunter Altman. He's really big in, in the sketch scene. Um he, uh, you can usually find him doing uh, not too shabby Friday nights. Um, so, although it was not at not too shabby that I first met you, I believe it was at the original clubhouse. I believe uh, the the show would have been Sketch Bar. Sketch Bar, okay. Yes, Yamara Taylor, all of uh, that 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 group, right? Oh. No, this was before that. So this was this would have been at a sketch open mic at the original clubhouse, whatever they called their sketch open mic. I don't remember. Um, but uh, I went to that and I saw you do. Um, you were doing Tony the Wonder Llama, uh, which I just remember you were kind of doing like a. It was this kind of fake lounge singery kind of character, and you you took. Uh, you asked for requests from the audience, and I requested red, red wine. Um, and <laughs> uh, do you remember? Oh, wait, no, no. I think I requested Piano Man, and, and you sang, uh, sing us a song, you're the... I can't remember the rest. Uh, yeah, Tony, Tony the Wonder Llama is a character I... Uh uh came up with like eight years ago it's uh very basically a guy who's a very bad lounge singer doesn't know the words to any songs and also his dad peed into his mom and so he was genetically born half man half pee and uh i've uh written produced and starred in a lot of adventures regarding said character um over you know the last several years Although didn't the half man half P thing start in like a separate sketch and then kind of got folded into the Tony mythos? It was it was basically um, in December 2013 and January 2014. I was playing around. Uh, based, so basically, I run a show um, called Go Sketch Yourself. It's currently on twitch.tv slash pack theater. Um, it used to be on the pack theater stage. It will be on the pack theater stage when we're back. Uh, before that, it was on IO West. And before that, it was also at uh, uh, MI West Side Theater. It's, I've been oh, yes. everywhere, man. <laughs> um, and uh, so I had. You know, I had created the show with a sketch team called Clive Rice back in 2013, and uh, the show is called Go Sketch Yourself, and we had an open slot in the show, and I said, all right, I'll take the slot, I'll put on a jacket, I'll put on a top hat and a goofy look, and I'll just 
take requests until we run out of time and <laughs> not sing anything. And I just put on this deep, sexy voice and I just talked as if I was a sexy, sultry lounge singer. And so I was just like playing with that, developing it and figuring out like, okay, this is just the perfect low status character. And then uh, I'd been playing with the idea for like years of what happens if you pee into a vagina instead of cum. And I always thought, like, I'd rather see that scene in a drama than in a goofy comedy scene. So it became like a losing a virginity scene. And that became a low status, like 16 year old, like, hey, I'm really nervous about this. And I wrote both of those sketches like within a month of each other. And then I put them back to back. And suddenly it was, okay. now here's eight minutes of a character. Got it. Well, and that that eight minutes, uh, I mean, that expanded. Yeah, I've written a feature film, a pilot's length, uh, written and produced a web series or, you know, yeah, it's a lot of nonsense about a character who's just made of pee. <laughs> it's a veritable Tony, uh, Tony-verse. Uh, yeah. Oh, speaking of which, that that was my big uh, my big note that I wanted to hit on this is we are in a world this is my big takeaway are you ready uh hold on let me buckle my seatbelt. all right i'm ready brian didn't move at all <laughs> we are in a world of cinematic universes there's so many of them you got the dc universe you've got the mc universe You've got the Conjuring universe, and I guess the Annabelle universe is part of that. Um, the Monsterverse. You've got a lot. But you know what happens the more universes you get, Brian? What? You have trouble regulating them. Okay. We had an opportunity to really open up a critic verse that we could have used to help neutralize all of these cinematic universes. All these Star Wars fans saying that the critics are against them. Now you have critic fans saying Star Wars are against them. <laughs> I didn't think this one out as far as I should have. Okay. Well, I so where my mind went was if we had the critic verse, that yeah. could almost keep the other universes in check because what would the critic verse do of course it would look at all the other cinematic universes and say it stinks yes like the marvel universe it stinks the star wars universe it stinks the monster universe it stinks, it stinks. and so on i, I think i think also what that brings me to now is just the idea that we do have that cinematic universe we just <laughs> need to bring the critic back every 20 years Oh, man, I've gone back and forth in my head over whether I think bringing the critic back would be a, a good idea. As just like a barnacle on the side of the ship, though, like not back <laughs> for good. Like we're like we're talking like full on, like you're circling, you're circling, you're a planet, you're coming back around and then there's an eclipse. And then you're gone again. I think we need an eclipse, a critic eclipse. Hmm. So maybe like a uh, a critic special every year, as like a uh, almost like a 
a state of the industry sort of thing. Like here's here's what stinks, here's what doesn't stink. Like uh, all these all these Netflix originals, they stink. On honestly, a mix between <laughs> the critic Jiminy Glicket and the Razzies once a year. I could get into that. Like, like where it's less about, oh, it's so shitty, and it's more about, hey, we're having fun with how shitty it is. You know, it's like, it's more about Jay Sherman than just being about, you know, X movie. Because then you'd have the Simpsons, you know, the Denver Broncos, the Atlanta Falcons, President Clinton, <laughs> and his wife, Hillary. And here's my friend, Mr. Black. <laughs> um no i yeah it's it's not that tough being a film critic uh film uh <laughs> film uh cri cricket so here's yes. here's my big question for you have you ever gone to the john lovett's comedy club uh no i never made it there uh it's not still there is it oh it hasn't been there for years okay, okay yeah i was aware of it I knew that he was frequently there. I knew that I believe he recorded a podcast there like once a week. Uh, but no, I, n I never made it there. I think the Kevin Smith did as well. I um I I only went there once uh, when uh, a friend uh, did uh, uh, took a class there for stand up, and so they got to do their class show at the end, and I got to be a uh, one of the bringers. Okay, that's fun. Uh, I, I remember the chicken being uh, very non-memorable for terrible bar food. <laughs> yeah, the food at, at a comedy club is never great. Yeah, like the... Honestly, I was going to say, it's like, oh, yeah, like the pack theater. But then it was like, yeah, ge generally, it's like, what, what's it going to be, candy? Yeah, I like candy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pa pack theater does not advertise its food offerings. <laughs> but they should uh <laughs> all right well hunter we've we've been on a real odyssey uh on this episode <laughs> um but, uh, i think it's 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 uh maybe time to um to uh you know uh bring bring this to uh an end um before we <laughs> get too long can, can i can i just ask one question do you consider this one a Simpsons or a critic episode. Do I consider this podcast? No. Do you consider this episode a oh. Simpsons or a critic? I mean, it's a Simpsons episode. Oh, according to, you know, the opening credits and the, the rest of it. I mean, we're not on, they... talking, we're not talking the farm with the office. No, <laughs> come on. They, they, they made, they gave Jay yellow skin and an overbite. Like they made him look like a Simpsons character. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway. Okay. Um, Hunter, <laughs> do, do you have anything you would like to plug? Uh, I, uh, host a comedy show, uh, currently on Twitch, uh, every Friday night, uh, Twitch TV at Pack Theater. Uh, it's called Go Sketch Yourself. It's a sketch comedy open mic that I've been hosting now for eight years. Uh, so you know that I'm probably not going to fuck it up that badly. I host that with, uh, 
uh, the immaculate Alan Johnson and Dash Nye. So if I fuck it up, they'll keep it from being fucked up. If you want to submit a sketch, uh, we take live sketches, we take sketch reads, we take live sketch characters, we take character interviews, we take sketch videos, uh, we take TikToks, we take all sorts of shit. Um, on top of that, I'm just trying to learn what it's like to go back outside again. Yeah, I think we all are, but um, at least we're at that stage where we we can do that. Can 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 I say? By the way, it's been it's so weird that like we're we're no, it's it's not weird, but like we're still having this conversation over Zoom, you know, as well we should. Uh, I've been in your home. You've given me yep. food. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just find Zoom just very convenient, and, like, um, all of my other podcast episodes, except for one, where I, uh, my guest was my brother, who lives in the same house as me, uh, everything else has been over Zoom, so I thought, yeah, let's just keep it consistent. I, yeah, and if, if it's gonna keep you getting better guests, if, if like... Un un unless the other option is, well, you have the perfect studio that you are going to pay 200 bucks for or whatever the cost is, whatever it's going to be. Like, yeah, if, if, if this is going to mean that I don't have to leave at 215 to get to your place. Oh, yeah, exactly. You're, you're going to get more sexy people and then you're going to see uh, a Sonic the Hedgehog image behind me. <laughs> yes, for the listeners, that is a reference to Hunter's Zoom background. Um, but yeah, no, I'm a big fan of, of working from home. I, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to work from home for my current job and it's looking like it's going to stay that way. So that's very nice. Also, I, I feel like I am, I mean, responding to what you were saying about getting guests and such, I feel like I'm this close to getting Maurice LaMarche. He has liked and commented on more than one, um, Instagram post for the podcast as of, yes. as of this recording. So as soon as he sees one of my messages and comments asking him to come on, I think we're going to get him. So well, you, you know, he was in this episode as well. Yes, of course. He was the, uh, he was the uh, Belches. Yep. Uh, the Eudora Welty one and the Jay Sherman one. Um, but I think he was also, uh, he did one more thing. What a what a what a talent he must be to be the guy who dubs. What, what was it, Vincent D'Onofrio as Orson Welles? Yes, in uh, in Ed Wood. Like what 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 a chain of events for that! Like this isn't Gina Carano. This is <laughs> this is legendary, like like method actor fucking Vincent D'Onofrio. This isn't like a martial artist showing up and being dubbed in uh, Haywire. I mean, especially when you consider that he started doing Orson Welles as a character bit in his stand-up routine, and it ended up in a, like, Tim Burton's best film. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, oh, and also, uh, he he does the voice of George C. Scott. That's the third thing he does in this episode. That so. that makes sense. Yeah, because he uh, George C. Scott does not have that like Simpsons cadence. That kind <laughs> of you 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 know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, uh, okay. One, one last thing, which I thought was amazing, uh, was I pulled up um, on Crackle, which by the way, my, uh, my DVD player, my Blu-ray player told me uh, expired in 2019. It doesn't exist anymore. Crackle? Crackle. It's far, as far as I'm aware, it does still exist, but go on. It's pretty impressive. So it says on the website for Crackle, you know, to try and pitch me on why I should watch it. English, why it crackles. Turns out animated John Lovitz, uh, animated John Lovitz was doing clever non-secular asides way before Family Guy. Yes, I've noticed that on Crackle and it, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing that they're trying to sell you on this show by comparing it to Family Guy, I guess. I mean, it's it's the same show. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's like yeah. It, I mean, we we all know that Family Guy has uh, hand drawn animation, of course, and it's about a film critic in yes. New York. Okay, who is, uh, who is so here, Brian, uh, take a look at this real quick. Okay, you're showing me uh, <laughs> your Blu-ray player. Yes. Oh, serv- service ends on December 11th, 2019. Wow. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> so I, I I had to watch on the laptop a little bit, a uh, little bit, little bit. Uh, Crackle uh, exists again. I'm glad to see it. Uh, <laughs> I was a big fan of uh, that one time I tried to watch uh, the the Larry Sanders show and gave up on the commercial breaks. Oh, <laughs> that's because right. He, oh, Larry Sanders show is so good. And uh, Crackle, they really got that. You know, they don't let you watch with ad block. Uh, I've not been able to uh, <laughs> get around that. Um, so good on them getting that ad revenue. All right. Hunter, thank you so much for going through on this podcasting journey with me. It's it's good, as always, to talk to you. Uh, you, you as well. Uh, on this Odysseus journey, consider me the siren who made you freeze in place for a while because I was too enticing uh, as a guest. And uh, you'll have to let me know how that Jurassic World 3 premiere or uh, preview is. I mean, I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you this much. Um, I thought about going to see it last night and then just leaving the theater uh-huh. <laughs> like like the way they did for like uh the, the the Star Wars 20 years ago. Yeah. Just cuz like last night I was like I care about this podcast. I don't want to be in a movie theater leaving the movie theater fucking pumped at 2 a.m. <laughs> uh well I appreciate that. <laughs> I just I chose to not be fucking pumped just for you, Brian. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I will let you uh, get started on your weekend. Thank you again, and I will talk to you soon. Have a wonderful weekend, Brian. All right. And I hope I will (laughs) see all you again on the next uh, episode of It Stinks, the Critic podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Stinks, the Critic podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at itstinkspod. 